Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. A lot to do on today's program. Special guest coming up, our buddy Terrence Edwards, former Georgia wide receiver, stops by in just a few minutes. Brad Nessler, CBS Sports, the guy who'll call the play-by-play action Saturday afternoon against Alabama. He'll be with us in a few minutes there as well. I want to begin, though, with this. We have talked a little bit about some trends that maybe if you're a Georgia fan, you know, you ought to be aware of in terms of how that might support the case for Alabama on Saturday. For instance, we've talked about the fact that you go back a great number of years, six years, seven years, whatever it is, you just see very few instances of Alabama losing by double-digit points or more. You get the 2018 National Championship game against Clemson, where Alabama, for the most part, was blown out, and that was a very unusual thing to see. Bama also lost by, what, 12 to Auburn in 2017? Other than that, though, when Alabama has lost, and everybody loses a little bit, but when Alabama lost, you're talking about losses that were, you know, three points to Texas A&M this year. Go back to 2019, you had, what, the five-point loss to LSU. I may be slightly off on some of these numbers. Uh, Close loss to Auburn there at the end of the season. You know, that's just kind of the example of what you kind of see from Alabama. When it loses, for the most part, it's lost close. So for Georgia and the Georgia fan who wants to see that comfortable, easy win, against Alabama on Saturday. Well, history would suggest, uh, you know, you know, maybe for Alabama that's not as likely to occur. The other big trend that's kind of out there right now, and this is something we talked about on Go With The Flow. We recorded Go With The Flow, and we'll air that on Friday as we typically do. But the fact that Georgia finds itself a point spread favorite against Alabama and Alabama an underdog in a game for the first time since October of 2015. A lot of folks remember, oh, yeah, the last time Alabama was an under, underdog, it was to Georgia. Dogs a one-point favor that day in Athens. It was a blowout win for Alabama there. The previous time Alabama was an underdog before that was the 2009 SEC championship game. They won easily against Tim Tebow in Florida there that day. And so there's this message that gets conjured up of, ooh, be careful of Alabama as an underdog. Last couple of times that's been the case, Alabama's made the odds makers look foolish and all that kind of makes you just a little bit nervous. So let me go in a different direction on this for a moment. Let me talk about in light of those trends that almost seem like they argue a bit for Alabama. Let me talk about another trend, which I believe very much argues for Georgia on Saturday. Now you'll hear me mention point spreads a lot and I realize that not everybody cares about gambling. A lot of you maybe don't ever you know, have any desire to put money down on a game. And in some cases, if you don't follow the gambling market all that closely, there's some stuff related to point spreads that can sometimes be a little confusing and it can seem sort of wonky and it kind of goes in one ear and out the other. But the one thing I've always said on this show is, is that even if you're not that interested in betting on games, point spreads can still be interesting because point spreads become really good fodder to make more accurate predictions and you have a way of kind of framing predictions using point spreads that just lead to I think better predictive analysis about what's going to have in games from week to week conference championship games included so let me give you something I think is kind of interesting you'll see Georgia on Saturday they've been about a six and a half point favorite all week long most Georgia fans maybe say I don't really care about the point spread I just want to win the game But the point spread, the way it stands right now, I think certainly speaks to Georgia's chances of doing just that. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about here. So Georgia, as the favorite in a conference title game, finds itself in a pretty advantageous position. And all of the data I'm about to get to you comes from the Bayer, Chris Felica from ESPN, who oftentimes has pretty interesting stuff like this. So if you look at favorites in conference title games of the Power Five over the course of the last four years, you follow me on this? This is SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12. If you look at the Power Five conferences, their conference title games over the course of the last four years, here's what you see. The favorite in those games has gone on to win the game 18 times. There's only been two losses in that situation, and both those came in the Pac-12. So over the course of the last four years, to be a Power Five favorite in a conference title game has been quite predictive. Favorites go on to win the overwhelming amount of the time. Furthermore, here's an even more, I think, uh, illustrative stat if you want to pay attention to this. So Felica tells us that if you look at the Power Five conferences plus the American Athletic Conference, which is kind of always thought of as the sixth best conference, you know, there's, it's the, it's clearly the best group of five conferences. So this is Power Five plus AAC, AAC, the league that Cincinnati plays in right now. In the college football playoff era, which dates back to 2014, in the college football playoff era, 
Favorites in conference title games from the Power Five plus the AAC of four or more points have gone on to win straight up 27 times, losing just once. 27-1 and one are favorites of four or more points out of the Power Five or the AAC in conference title games in the college football playoff era. Now, what does that tell you there for a moment? That tells me that Georgia sitting as a six-and-a-half-point favorite against Alabama, whether it covers the spread or not, recent history suggests that Georgia fans truly ought to feel pretty good about winning this game. And going back to 2015 and being all that worried about what happened the last time Georgia was favored against Alabama or 2009, the last time Alabama was an underdog in the SEC championship game, that kind of ancient history just doesn't feel very relevant in comparison to that strong data from the college football playoff era, conference title games like the ones that Georgia's going to play in on Saturday, that Georgia is in a very good position. And I think it goes a long way to explain why Georgia fans – feel pretty relaxed going into a game like this. Now, relaxed is also, I think, kind of an interesting vibe that we've seen from Kirby Smart a lot this season there as well. And this is one of those things where I'm probably going to be a little bit guilty of making too much out of a small thing here for a moment. But in light of the data that I just gave you about why Georgia fans should maybe be a little relaxed, a little comfortable going into the game on Saturday, I think it's also important to note how your coach, Kirby Smart, is kind of in the same position right now, and this should not get overlooked. And this is something that we've been talking about on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp, for quite some time. I want to go back to the summer for a moment. And in the summer, we brought on Peter Burns from the SEC Network onto the show. And our reason for doing so was that Peter, at the time, we said, was one of the few voices with kind of a prominent following working the SEC Network, big Twitter follower count. Folks kind of know who he is. He was one of the bigger-name guys that we had seen predict Georgia win the national championship. For the most part, we didn't hear a lot of that back during the summer. Peter, to his credit, was one of the guys that was saying that. He looks pretty smart here right now. And when we brought Peter on the show to talk about all of that, Peter actually told a story about Kirby Smart that I thought was really very interesting. That when he looked at Kirby Smart this summer and he saw him in kind of a behind-the-scenes, closed-door type situation, what Burns said on our show, Dog Nation Daily, was that he noticed a version of Kirby Smart that was maybe a little different than the version of Kirby he had seen in the past. And in light of the relaxed nature of UGA going into the game against Alabama on Saturday, all of this is relevant all over again. So this is Peter Burns from our show going back to the summer. Take a listen. Every year when we go down to SEC media days, the story that you hear and I always come out with is not what the guys said at the podium. It's how they interact with us behind the scenes. Each year, Kirby's come in kind of tight, to be honest with you. He's just like laser-focused. I'm going to be this, this, and this. He comes in, you know, the last couple of weeks ago, and he knows that I'm a big golfer. And the first thing he comes up, he, like, finds his way over to me, and he goes, where'd you play like? Hmm. And then he starts showing me videos of places. And I'm like, this is not the Kirby smart that I've seen before where he was kind of, oh, well, this is media days, and i got to do this. I was like, this is this is the attitude of a guy that knows this team is pretty damn good. He doesn't really have that many tough questions to answer, and he's chomping at the bit. And that tells me a lot more about the success he thinks this team can have versus anything else. How cool is that? How relevant does that seem on a day like this? Peter Burns from the SEC Network on our show back in the summer saying, I've seen Kirby Smart in the same spot over and over and over again. I've seen him be very tight, very maybe uptight, maybe a little nervous. I've seen him be that before. But when I saw him this year, he was relaxed. He's talking about golf. He's thinking about all kinds of things. He knows there aren't very many tough questions to answer about his football team. Peter Burns says that my reason for picking George win the national championship is because when I saw, at least among the reasons, when I saw Kirby back during the summer, I saw a guy who was very relaxed and seemed to already know back then that he had a very good team. So here we are in December, Georgia getting ready to face not its biggest rival, but it's probably chief arch nemesis. It's arch nemesis, the, the, the team that stood in its way more than any other in recent years. And I think you have reason to believe that the relaxed version of Kirby that Peter Burns saw in the summer, that's still the same guy that seems to be around Georgia right now. Now, admittedly, as I said a moment ago, I'm going to make more of this than needs to be made. But there was um, a moment in the press conference on Monday when Kirby was kind of asked the traditional press conference question. He's kind of giving a traditional press conference type answer. And 
a cameraman, I guess, or a camera person, I don't really know who it was, drops a camera or some sort of you know, a piece of equipment like that. Makes a loud noise. Hopefully the audio translates to the noise that it made there in the room. And listen to Kirby Smart. Makes a very small, minor joke. But to me, when when I heard this moment in the press conference on Monday, it reminded me of what Peter Burns said he had noticed about Kirby Smart back during the summer. Listen for yourself from Monday and see if you get the same sense of this that I got. This is Kirby having some fun with a camera person this week. Tails, your left tackle situation. Uh, do you feel good about Roderick Jones being able to handle what all that uh, Alabama can bring? Uh, or would you... Where is Jamari and his recovery, and would he be, you know, well enough to, to return to that position? Don't know the answer to that. Uh, Jamari's going to practice today. Um, Jamari had a setback last week that was uh, minor, um, but it was enough that he couldn't play this past week. You know, we wanted to get him out there. We thought he was going to. I thought he was going to play against uh, Georgia Tech, but once he had the setback, it was a little tougher for him too. Uh, we'll find out where he's at. pressure getting to you um it's it's really you know the audio maybe doesn't translate quite as well as the video does because smart gets a big smirk on his face you heard him kind of laugh he kind of does the chuckle thing under his breath and he says ha the pressure's getting to you for the camera person that drops the 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 piece of equipment there and as i said before that's a small thing it's not necessarily a big deal but it does remind me of what peter burns said back in the summer that he saw kirby relax back then we saw him relax right now even joking about the idea of pressure getting to someone going into an SEC title game. I think the entirety of this season, both here before the Alabama game, back before the season began, and week to week, moment to moment, I think Kirby Smart's been fairly well aware that he's got a pretty good football team. And favored over Alabama, that seems to be for a good reason. Data suggests in recent years being a favorite in a conference title game has been a pretty strong predictor of who ultimately wins. I don't think there's any reason to believe the SEC championship is any different than that there as well. Big day coming up for Georgia on Saturday. If it happens, we'll look back and say maybe Kirby Smart actually knew it all along. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Hello to you, and thanks for being with us, whether it's 945 uh, on our first and 15 on the dognation.com, the Dog Nation app, or on video 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We're just glad to have you with us. Podcast, all the various platforms, radio at noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, the ref, and of course, all of it brought to you by our friends at Meriwether and Tharp. You've heard me say it before, Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. You can find them online, the theatlantadivorceteam.com, and as much fun as we have this time of year thinking about playoffs and championship games and holiday season, obviously for other folks, there's a little bit different kind of conversation going on. And that's not a pleasant thing, but what can make the situation certainly more pleasant in terms of the result is putting a strong advocate by your side as you walk down that path towards divorce you want to walk with someone who's been there before who can guide you in that direction that is what Meriwether and Tharp can do for you they are your source for Georgia divorce you've got questions about the divorce process they have answers so please find them online the atlantadivorceteam.com the atlantadivorceteam.com Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce so make sure you check them out there today it's good to have all of you with us here on our program, we got a very, very busy show coming up. We're going to get uh, Brad Nessler from CBS Sports here coming up in just a little bit. Brad's going to call the game for CBS on Saturday, so so very, very interesting conversation to be uh, had with him, and we'll do all that here coming up in just a little bit. Also coming up right now, it's our good friend Terrence Edwards, the former Georgia wide receiver. Of course, uh, Terrence, you're going to be a part of Around the Doghouse, uh, presented today by our friends at Serve Pro, and Terrence was a part of a Georgia team that won uh, an SEC championship back in 2002, so he knows what it takes to get it done in a big spot, big moment like this. So we'll let Terrence tell us all about that. He can also talk to us a little bit about some of those pass-catching options for Georgia, who are obviously going to be key here there on Saturday. We know that uh, Georgia's going to need to move the football, going to score some points. We said yesterday, simple goal for Georgia in this spot for me, can you score in all four quarters? Can you keep that pressure on Alabama? At the end of the game, something that Georgia maybe hasn't done the last three times it's played the Crimson Tide under Kirby Smart. Can you start this game off the way you have other games this season where Georgia's had a lead of two touchdowns or more in 10 of the 12 games it's played? At halftime, it's had a two-touchdown or more lead there. So Georgia's been comfortable kind of getting off to strong starts, comfortable obviously extending leads there at the end. But can that continue against Alabama on Saturday? 
We will talk about that and so much more with our buddy Terrence Edwards right now here around the doghouse, assisted by and presented by Serve Pro here today. With that in mind, let's go ahead and speak to Terrence Edwards right now. Terrence, we're glad to have you on the program. As I said before, you know what it's like to be on the field for a team that wins an SEC championship. You did that for the dogs way back in 2002, and I'm sure you know you get those same butterflies in your stomach right now knowing what these players are about to go through heading into a game like this on Saturday there as well. For me, it was 20 years in the making. Uh, but I think Kirby has done a great job of putting us in contention every year to be in this position. Uh, but now, you know, we got to go in and just finish the drill, as Coach Rick would say. I think this is an important time for Georgia football. One is to get that monkey off our back and beat Alabama. And two, just asserting our dominance as one of the elite programs in the country right now. Yeah, I think you and I have talked about this before that when you go to play Arkansas in 2000, when you go to play Arkansas in 2002, um, you kind of go into that game knowing that, I mean, you're a huge favorite. You won the game easily, kind of started the domination from the very beginning. Uh, obviously, for this Georgia team right now, they are favored against Alabama. And a lot of Georgia fans feel like they're confident that Georgia can win the game. But this is clearly a very different kind of opponent for this Georgia team against Alabama because it kind of represents a hump they kind of haven't quite gotten over with yet. And uh, I think that kind of makes this game for Georgia different than the one that you would have uh, certainly played in and won back in 2002. Oh, most definitely. I think, you know, this is a different animal. I mean, let's just face it. I, I think we have played the best football out of anybody in the college football this year. But, you know, this is this is Nick Saban. And much as we, we can put a lot of adjectives on his accolades, you know, we have to go in there and have the mindset that we're the best team. We're played like the best team. All year, and I think this team is is special. I think this team is locked in and just listen to the way um, Kirby and company just talk about the preparation that these guys go through. They're going to be ready. Uh, does that mean we're going to win? Uh, no, but that means we're going to go in there and give it our best shot. And I think we are the best team, and I think we play our game. I think we will win, but I think this team is just focused and laser focused and understand the goal. And their goal is first was to win the East. They accomplished that. Secondly, it's to win the SEC championship, and they have an opportunity to accomplish that. And thirdly, get into the playoffs. And then the last goal is to win it all. So they're right on a tap where they need to be and where they want to be. And this just the next game and next hurdle, but it just happened to be Alabama. One of the things that I've said, I think I said this on yesterday's show, is you look at Georgia the last three times played Alabama, obviously halftime leads in all those games, and yet – Ultimately, they don't result in UGA victories, and one of the big issues there ends up being not being able to score enough points late, especially in the fourth quarter. Georgia hasn't scored any uh, fourth quarter points in any of those games, and you know this to me is one of the big goals for Georgia on Saturday. Just simply stated, I think that Georgia needs to score in all four quarters early in the game to kind of establish the same level of control that Georgia's played with most of the season. Late in the game to kind of stave off any Alabama comeback that might be on its way there. That alone's not enough to guarantee victory, but it sure does make it more likely if Georgia can find its way on the scoreboard in each of those four quarters on Saturday. And I'm, I'm assuming you probably agree with that. Oh, most definitely. I mean, if you, you hit the nail on the head. Every time we have played Alabama the last four times, I think we've been leading at halftime and late in games. We have uh, allowed them to stick around, stick around, and they made one more play than we have to win the game, and that's just something that we can't have. We're going to have to continue to put points on the board. We're going to have to score field uh, – we're going to have to score touchdowns, not field goals. We're going to have to be able to assert our dominance from both lines of scrimmages. Uh, historically, Alabama has probably been the best at offensively and defensive line. I think we are this year. So Jordan Davis and crew, uh, hopefully we, we get uh, Jamari Sawyer back to face off with uh, Will Allison. But I just think whoever wins the line of scrimmage is going to win this game. And going into it on paper, we have the better line of scrimmage. No, I think that's probably right. Um, when I look at the guy that's been such a pivotal weapon for Georgia all this season, I think about Brock Bowers, the tight end. And if I know that and you know that, then the Alabama coaches are also aware of that. Also, how much do you think that game within the game is going to be a factor here of what Bama maybe tries to do to take Bowers away from Stetson Bennett there on Saturday to force Georgia to do something different? And 
if you're Georgia, obviously you feel good about you know a healthy Jermaine Burton now, and uh, obviously guys you've been delivering the football to all season long. But Bowers has been a real comfort zone, especially when it comes to scoring those touchdowns. How much are you looking forward to seeing the battle of what Bama does to try to take Bowers maybe out of the game plan, and what Georgia does to make sure that he's still part of it? Uh, I think it's, there's two, and there's one other. A secret weapon. Uh, he's not been a secret weapon this year at all. I think he's been our best back. But just in a passing game, with you find matchups as an offense coordinator at pace this year, you just try to find matchups that is, that you know you can win. Brock Bowles is one, and James Cook is another. Especially in a passing game, uh, you either gonna have to put a safety on either one of those, or you're gonna have to put a linebacker. And both are faster and bigger. Especially Bowles is bigger. Those are two guys that have to win those battles. Yes, Jermaine Burton on the outside, and we're getting uh, GP back with Kieris, Lad. Going to have to make their plays. But when it comes down to it, we have to take advantage of mismatches. And mismatches, in my opinion, is Brock and James Cook. No, I think you're right about that. I think that Cook could play a huge role on Saturday. And then on the other side, Terrence, you know, we've seen the Georgia defense, as you said, they've been dominant here this year. And yet, you know, quarterback-receiver combination, this is probably the best that Georgia's faced with what Bryce Young's able to do. He's in the Heisman Trophy conversation. Jamison Williams missed part of the Auburn game because of a targeting call, but he's been, you know, that team's best deep threat all season long. How much, when you look at Alabama offensively, do you expect them to be able to do against what has been a dominant Georgia defense all season long? Uh, I, I'll take it back to the Tennessee week uh, when I was on the show, and I, and I said to you and, and to the listen that Tennessee's going to move the football. Uh, they're going to score points. Uh, they're going to be able to get big plays. And as we saw, the second play of the game, they had an opportunity for, in my book, would have been a touchdown. They missed it. We just got to limit the big plays from Alabama. They're going to move the ball. Jameis Williams, uh, Meechie, uh, the running back, quarterback, Bryce Sean, they're some talented players. They're on scholarship too. So we just can't get down if they, they're moving the ball. We just got to limit their big plays. I think Auburn did a great job last week of putting pressure on Bryce Sean with, with some blitzes and, and bringing one more than they could block, and their back end held up. Uh, Chris Smith, is, hopefully he's healthy because he's the true quarterback, in my opinion, in that back end. He gets everyone lined up, and he's uh, just a, a smart, heady football player, and we saw that against Clemson. So we just can't get discouraged. We're going to be able to, have to make adjustments, I think, that we did against Tennessee to win the game. We, they're going to move the ball, but who makes the adjustments? And Nick Saban's been the one to make the adjustments the last four or five times. And I think now it's perfect time to make that adjustment to win this game. I'll finish with this, Terrence. You know a lot of guys in this team, and obviously you know what Georgia football certainly means to you and what it's meant to so many people. When you make the decision to come to UGA, you obviously do so because you want to play in the very biggest games of all. And on Saturday, obviously we hope it's after a win, but even after a loss, it could still be true that Georgia could be on its way to the college football playoff and a shot at winning a national championship. That's a gigantic stage to play on. There's nothing more fun than being a part of that playoff conversation throughout the month of December. What do you think it would mean for these Georgia players to be able to do that, to be a part of the college football playoff? And as I said before, hopefully it's after a win. Could even still be true after a loss because of the 12-0 mark that Georgia's already put together. But that's quite a month these players could have ahead for them, and I hope they're as excited about that as we all are for them. Oh, I think so. I think the players understand what's at in hell is in right now. They understand to win SEC titles is going to mean a lot. That's going to put them undisputed, unanimous number one. They don't even have to look at the college football playoffs uh, when it's televised. They understand what's in, and I think they also understand to get this monkey off our back. I think they want to be the team that knock off Alabama. I think they want to be that team. You you, you see it from once you're watching them on TV. I went to the Georgia Tech game, and we all knew what the outcome of that game was going to be. Let's not let's not kid ourselves. But those guys still played with a laser focus that they didn't play down to their competition. So it lets me know their leadership is really strong, and those guys are there for one reason, one reason only, and that's be the team to beat Alabama in the SEC championship and hopefully bring a national championship to the University of Georgia. Terrence, remind folks that they can be a part of the great wide receiver academy you're doing. I know the bubble work is beginning this offseason. It's a real grind time for a lot of guys who want to get better. How can folks be a part of that and what you're doing? 
Oh, man, the bubble work is about to start up January 18th. We will be in the bubble every Tuesday and Thursday from 6 to 7.30. I'll have the great uh, Ron Veal wow. as the quarterback coach in there. My brother as well would do some work with the running back. Uh, so anybody's looking to, to get into, into this group work and all the guys, Jermaine Burton has been in there, Eric Gilbert, all the guys that you know, they started here. So yeah. you can reach me at all social media at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. Terrence, we appreciate the work you're doing, that great next generation of players, and thanks for being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp here today. Certainly appreciate all that. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Good stuff there from Terrence Edwards, the great former Georgia wide receiver. And obviously he sees a guy like Brock Bowers on his way to a record-setting career, really approaching some of those marks, even for Terrence Edwards there as well. And certainly very interesting to hear Terrence talking about all of that. And clearly also really cool there as well to hear Terrence talking so much about what could be in store for this team moving on to the college football playoff and how special that would be. And obviously the month of December around here is just going to be so much fun. But first, big work to take care of against the Alabama Crimson Tide there on Saturday, and great to get a big preview of that from our good friend Terrence Edwards, the former great Georgia wide receiver. It's around the doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at Serve Pro. And listen, uh, for a lot of you, what's not great is when you look around your home, the, the thing that you love more than anything else, most important investment that you have, but also the place you have that deep emotional connection there as well. When you look around at all of that and you see damage and Oftentimes, this damage is caused by fire or water intrusion. Those are those are serious things that can cause a big issue there with your home. And you know, sometimes you look around, you want to wave a magic wand and make it like it never happened, make it make it disappear. And obviously, magic doesn't quite work that way. But my friends at Serve Pro can because that's what their restoration specialists are famous for. And you watch on video, you see all the great equipment they use and all the things they have at their disposal to get to work for you and make that damage and that that those issues created by fire, water intrusion, things like that to literally make it like it never happened that's what serve pro can do each franchise is also independently owned and operated there as well so when you do business with serve pro you're doing business with those who have skin in the game who who care about all of that the same way that that you do they want to serve you because they understand what family oriented service when it comes to business is all about that's when we love that's why we love serve pro there as well so I'm going to encourage you to make sure you reach out to them. Uh, they're restoration specialists for any of your fire damage, water intrusion, things like that. ServePro.com is the website. It's S-E-R-V, ServePro.com, for a lot more information on that. We certainly appreciate ServePro presenting around the doghouse to us here today. Also appreciate uh, Brad Nessler from CBS Sports. He's going to call the game. Uh, big one on Saturday, 4 p.m. between Georgia and Alabama. Uh, he'll be the play-by-play voice, and he's good enough to join us here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp here today. Brad, thank you so much for your time. and appreciate you being here, and certainly I know you're like the rest of us. Looking forward to about as big as it gets in college football between uh, Alabama and the Dogs inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Saturday. Yeah, Brandon, you know, we kind of had this uh, – um, I hope, I guess, a hope in our calendar circles uh, for it to be these two teams in this circumstance. It would have been perfect if Alabama would have been undefeated, too, but <laughs> we'll take it the way it is. It's going to be pretty fun. You also saw Alabama in the Iron Bowl this past weekend against Auburn, and I think Georgia fans have been a little bit divided on what they think about this, and maybe the college football world in general has been. On the one hand, this is Alabama playing another game a little closer than experts thought it probably would, but as you saw and as you called, thrilling the way that it kind of pulled out the victory there in overtime. Does that say something good about Alabama, the fact they won the game? Does it say something troubling about Alabama, the fact that they struggled with a team that had just lost to South Carolina? For Georgia fans who are trying to make sense of this, how did you, I guess, tabulate what took place in the Iron Bowl last week? Well, I I think uh, the ending the way that they came down in the 97-yard drive in the last uh, minute and something without any timeouts, proves their mettle, but at the same time, I, I agree with you. You know, they, the 58 minutes before that were not very good Alabama football, for sure, and they, they've got some holes and they've got some struggles that they're going to have to overcome, and it's kind of hard to fix your offensive line in five days. It just doesn't happen, and that's one of their biggest issues right now because they've had problems at center with Dalcourt when he's banged up. They try to move Chris Owens or somebody else in there, and Owens is really a tackle and then Owens and Damian George have been sharing time at the right tackle spot, and that's really a sore spot. And, uh, you know, Nick Saban's admitted to us, uh, I don't know, it was last week or the week before because I've had him two weeks in a row, three weeks in a row counting Saturday, um, that, you know, they normally have three guys on their offensive line that are either first-round picks, second-round picks, third-round picks, sometimes multi-first-round picks, 
they got one guy on their offensive line, Evan Neal, who's going to be a top five pick, and and the other guys are just sort of guys. And then Auburn proved that, you know, with seven sacks the other day. So you just can't restructure your offensive line in a in a hurry. They've been doing it all season long, moving pieces around, and they're not the right pieces, and they're not kind of pieces that Alabama's used to having. So that was their majority of their trouble. But they still got number nine out there, and and that is the good news if you're an Alabama fan. That yeah. even when all looks lost, uh, Bryce Young finds ways, and he found ways, you know, at the end of the game and in the in the overtime. Yeah, along those lines, it seems like if Alabama makes it close against Georgia, or if they were to pull the upset, obviously Georgia is the, the favorite going into the game. It's those individual names that seem likely to lead Alabama there that way. Bryce Young, who's in the Heisman conversation, Will Anderson, who's a dominant individual pass rusher, is that. This doesn't seem collectively like quite as talented an Alabama team as we're used to seeing, but Anderson's as good a defensive player as they've ever had, I think. And in the case of Bryce Young, he's obviously one of the best quarterbacks in the country. That Those individual names might seem as poised to power Alabama, maybe more so than the kind of collective thing we're used to seeing from the Crimson Tide. Yeah, no doubt. I think, you know, if, if they're to beat Georgia, you're going to hear Young uh, throwing probably 50 times, and you're going to hear John Mechie and Jamison Williams catching the majority of those and I, I think you know for Bryce Young uh, with Georgia's defense as good as it is the ball's got to get out of his hand in a hurry or, or he's going to have issues because pressure has created problems for him but it does for every quarterback and you know he's only six feet tall uh, he does a really good job of seeing through the trees I, I give him credit um, but with Georgia's front <laughs> he's going to be running for his life a little bit so I think the ball's got to come out quick I think it'll be the quick slants and stuff to Mechie and, and Williams and, you know, those guys are home run hitters. And that's, I think Georgia, you know, could be susceptible to the long ball and or, the you know, the explosive pass plays. But, you know, Bryce Young's got to get it out of his hand fast enough because if he waits too long, uh, the Georgia secondary has gotten better, I think, every week. And it's because of that front seven. Well, I call them the front 14 because that's how deep they are. So, you know. Uh, because of how well they've played, the secondary has grown up, and they're better, and they get more confident every week. And so I think they think they can cover these guys, but everybody seems to think they can cover these guys. And then you look up, and they got 13 catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns. You know, it's those kind of guys. Uh, those those three are the biggest problem. I don't know about the running game. I don't know if Brian Robinson's going to be healthy enough to go, and if he doesn't, they're really thin in the running game for Alabama, and that's to Georgia's advantage for sure because they've already done a great job against the rush this year, and they'll only look better if Brian Robinson can't go. I want to ask about the Georgia quarterback thing before we're done. Before that, though, when you think about storylines for Saturday, how big of a storyline is the fact that this is kind of the arch nemesis for Georgia? You know, For the most part, Kirby Smart's beaten everybody but Alabama. Dogs in the present tense have clearly been the best team in the country all season, but the recent past makes this a, a more significant game than the ones that Georgia's been playing. How much is that the kind of thing that the CBS audience that you think are not diehard Georgia Alabama fans, how much of that do you think they're really aware of right now? Yeah, I don't know. We'll make them aware of it if they aren't, because all of us are, you know. And I know you are. You especially know all about this stuff. I, I think there's, I think there's like you know three or four subplots in the game that are things that we'll be talking about or will be made obvious. One is that you know it's it's a hurdle that the Bulldogs haven't been able to jump over, you know, six times in a row, and uh, you know three times of those were were Kirby's games against Alabama, including the regular season game last year. So you know that's one thing. Uh, if Alabama beats Georgia, they're going to be in the playoff, and so will Georgia. That's another subplot. And then if Bryce Young has even a winning game and his stats are average to above average, he's going to win the Heisman Trophy, I think. So, And if he doesn't, you know, Will Anderson might make an appearance. If he's got four sacks or something, he's going to New York. So, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of cool little stories inside the whole magnitude of the game itself of number one against number three. So let me finish with this, if you don't mind. I think by now, most Georgia fans are just kind of settled into the idea that Stetson Bennett's been playing well. The Georgia offense is is really very efficient right now. And even if it was a little weird that Georgia seemed to turn away from JT Daniels, whatever they're doing now is kind of working. That's kind of the, 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 the thing that Georgia fans have kind of settled on. But it has obviously been a big conversation all year long about what has been going on with JT Daniels. And the reason why I ask you this is because a couple of weeks ago, there was a very interesting exchange on the CBS broadcast involving you and Gary and uh, Jamie Erdahl, where you guys got a chance to speak to uh, Daniels' parents. And listen, I'm not asking you to reveal any kind of private conversation or anything like that, but it certainly seemed like you guys there that day 
felt like he had some you know better insight maybe the maybe the rest of us do about what has gone on with Daniels here this season from your perspective why is Stetson Bennett playing now and why is it not JT Daniels that's a loaded question yeah um I I think you know if if Stetson would have struggled at any point, I think, you know, and JT was healthy at the right point, they probably would have switched. I think you just got to the point where you're going, man, this is not broken. And, uh, you know, I, I've kind of always been in Stetson Bennett's corner, not against JT Daniels at all. I mean, I think he's a good kid and a great quarterback and all of that. But, you know, how do you pull a guy? I kind of think back, and this goes way back, and people aren't going to realize this, that your young listeners won't get this, but the year the Dolphins went undefeated and won the Super Bowl, you know, Bob Greasy got credit for that, and he's one of my great friends and a great partner for 10 years. Uh, that probably helped him get in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Earl Morrill played most of that season at quarterback. And that's how they won about 14 of those 17 games, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, you, you're maybe not always the five-star guy, but as far as I'm concerned, Stetson Bennett's been a five-star performer. So, um, just man, let him keep playing. And, and as going back to you know running into Steve and Allie uh, uh, Daniels, it was just outside our hotel, and you know we were talking. And at that time, they were really excited. They thought they, that he was going to see. I think uh, his dad said uh, significant more reps, which is you know football terminology for all of us, and especially a dad of a quarterback. Um, and so you know they thought he was going to play a lot that day, and he didn't. I don't think he played at all. And so I'm sure they were disappointed, but. Uh, you know, they said that week that uh, uh, Jordan Palmer had been in Athens, and, and he's kind of his JT's uh, quarterback guru. He does that with a lot of players in, in college and pro football. And he had been in town, and they'd gone through all his mechanics and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, he was fired up to play that day, and uh, they expected him to play a lot. And that's that's where that story came from. It's just kind of a chance meeting outside a hotel. <laughs> but, you know, Stetson's playing great, and – um, I, 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 you know, obviously the factor that he can run and move around a little bit has, has helped his cause. But um, if you really just looked at his numbers and if he had started every game, he would have, you know, not Bryce Young type numbers, but 21 touchdowns and five interceptions and 2,000 yards passing is not a bad yeah. college season for most kids, you know. So uh, I hope he can keep it up and, and keep playing like that because he's done a great job so far. Well, Brad, I'll tell you this. I don't think anybody does a big game as well as you guys do over there at CBS. Obviously, this is as big as it gets between Georgia and Alabama. I'm glad the game's going to be on your network. Can't wait to see you there at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Saturday. We appreciate you spending some time with us here on the program today, and we'll hopefully look forward to getting a chance to speak to you very soon as well. You got it, Brandon. Have a good one. We'll see you Saturday. Sounds good. That's Brad Nesser there from CBS Sports. Great, great job, and also great insight there as well. And it's almost like one of those things where you know, it's been kind of quiet on the quarterback front this week, and you're almost content to just sort of leave well enough alone with all that. Georgia fans seem to kind of all be moving the same direction, but you do remember that Tennessee game a couple of weeks ago when there was that very interesting exchange on CBS we talked about it, made a big deal about it at the time on this show, so it seemed appropriate to get some more context from that from Brad Nessa right there, so hopefully you enjoyed that. By the way, there's a little bit of more chatter out there related to Dan Lanning and the idea that he could be a candidate for Oklahoma. Let's tell you about that a lot more now as we do our SEC through. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, there is so much going on right now. I need to make sure that you are aware of all of that. First of all, there's this. We are cruising around the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean, and on sale right now, on sale right now, is the Royal Caribbean Dog Nation Cruise, which takes off in April, April 25th through the 29th, uh, leaving from Port Canaveral, going to Nassau on the Bahamas, going to Perfect Day Coco Cay, what an incredible time this is going to be. And to make sure you're there with us starting April 25th when we leave out at Port Canaveral on the Independence of the Seas, to make sure you do that then, it's time to start booking your travel now. So please make sure you're a part of that. Can't wait to do all of that with you and hope you'll join us there. Dognation.com, the best place to go for that. Just go right to the top of the homepage, dognation.com. Uh, that'll get you into the link where you go to get your travel book with our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority getting you up and running here on the big Royal Caribbean cruise, heading uh, to the Bahamas and Perfect Day Coco Cay. All of that happening in April. Cannot wait to do all of that. Dognation.com for more details on that. Now, while you're there at Dognation.com taking a look at that, the other thing that you're going to see here is right there at the top of the page there as well 
is a chance to be with us tonight at Marlowe's Tavern in Brookhaven. Y'all, this is going to be huge. Our buddy John Stinchcomb is going to be there. Jeff Sintel is going to be there. Connor Riley is going to be there. Loading up and getting ready to go for the big event tonight. Chase for the championship. Talking about how Georgia beats Alabama. What happens for Georgia after that in the college football playoff. And kind of everything else in between. All of that going down tonight, 6 p.m., Marlowe's in Brookhaven, chef-inspired food, craft cocktails. Our first time to be back at a Marlowe's Tavern in quite some time. And I know a lot of you have been looking forward to getting back, getting back and doing this again. Well, the night to do that is tonight. The location, Marlowe's Tavern in Brookhaven. I cannot wait to do all of that. It's going to be just a uh, great time. John Stinchcomb, Jeff Sintel, Connor Riley, me, all of you, meet and greet, live broadcast, everything else in between. Always a few secrets shared and some fun off-the-record UGA conversation taking place. And all of that is going to go down tonight starting at 6 p.m. at the Marlowe's Tavern in Brookhaven. Okay, so let's do this. I told you yesterday that uh, Dean Blevins, big Oklahoma, I think TV type guy, kind of a media figure that's been around the state of Oklahoma for a while, mentioned Dan Lanning on his list of of candidates for the Oklahoma job. What I said on the show yesterday was, it's not 100% apparent from, from Blevins if this is just like his idea who'd be a good fit for Oklahoma or the kind of thing that he was saying based on sources close to the Oklahoma program. And I guess we still kind of don't know that, but it's important to note here that there's been more chatter than just uh, Blevins about landing in the Oklahoma job. He also came up in a post at 24-7 Sports, the the local you know Sooners site, whatever it's called, Sooner Scoop or something like that. Uh, the local Oklahoma 24-7 Sports site also mentioned Dan Lanning for that job there as well. And one of the things that I was not aware of, some of you probably remembered this. I, I guess maybe at one point in time I knew it and I just forgot. <laughs> it ain't easy for me to keep up with everything uh, that's going on. But apparently Dan Lanning has a really good relationship with Caleb Williams, the Oklahoma quarterback. And at one point in time, Williams was kind of on Georgia's radar a, a bit. You'll remember that. And uh, apparently, according to some, Dan Lanning, one of the reasons why why that might have been true, that, that Lanning was actually, you know, as, a, as kind of an area recruiter, the kind of guy that would have had a little bit of an impact on, uh, on Caleb Williams. So one of the things that's kind of gotten Lanning into the discussion for the Oklahoma job to the extent that's actually going on is not just his defensive prowess, but if you're trying to hold on to Caleb Williams, they believe maybe a guy like Lanning would give them a chance to do that. So do with that what you will. All of this right now is still the very early conjecture stage. But the one thing that's not just conjecture, the one thing that's not just rumor stuff is the idea that a successful young coordinator like Dan Lanning and other Georgia assistants are clearly going to be on coaching radars. There's not much you can do to, to stop that. What, the last time Georgia was here a couple of years ago uh, go back to what uh you, you know you talk you think about uh, mel tucker you know the night before an sec title game being in the mix to to leave and go take the colorado job and some of the things that goes on with that that's just what's going to happen when you have a successful program with good coordinators you're going to have that conversation ongoing i honestly still don't quite know how real dan landing to oklahoma is but if this isn't it it's going to be something else at some other point in time there anyway and honestly you wish guys like that well as they have a chance to 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 improve their professional status going from an assistant to a head coach. That's kind of the discussion that's out there with uh, Dan Lanning right now. This is not so much SEC-related, but I thought it was kind of funny. So there's a really interesting story yesterday in the AJC about Georgia Tech. And, you know, obviously Georgia fans enjoy Tech not being good, but if you're a Tech fan, this is kind of a hard thing. And so uh, what Ken Segura, the beat writer for Georgia Tech, did was he got a couple of, uh, really a couple of very high-powered Tech boosters, guys that had given more than a million dollars to the program, um, which is a lot of money, and they were talking about their feelings about Jeff Collins and everything else. And um, in the midst of all that, one of the boosters had something very interesting, very, what I thought was very funny to say about uh, Georgia on, on Saturday. Um, so one of the guys said he chose not – this is one of the boosters. said he, I'm reading from the AJC. He said, I chose not to attend the Tech-Georgia game um, you know, because over the course of time that he had seen Georgia fans be, quote, very raucous and less than charming when they had come into Bobby Dodd Stadium. And so uh, he said uh, after not going to the game, what he was told about Georgia fans there in the stadium this past Saturday was, he said, and this is the quote from the AJC, that Georgia fans didn't even bother to engage Jacket supporters, which to him was even worse. Uh, he says it was not a relevant game to Georgia fans. Hold on, let me get the rest of this quote. He says it was not a relevant game to Georgia fans. Um, that they so, so much so they weren't even talking trash to Tech fans there in the stadium on Saturday, which for some reason I find to be very funny. Uh, but that was what was said about 
by tech boosters about um about georgia fans and a story that was ultimately about tech's decision to bring back jeff collins as head coach i just couldn't help but share that with all of you right there i'll also mention this alante taylor i think is a pretty good football player there at tennessee he says he's dealing with a little bit of an injury and therefore he is not going to play in tennessee's upcoming bowl game whatever that ends up being and obviously you already know this but it is very very true that we're about to have so much of this go down so much of player opt-outs and who's playing and who's not so if you care about gambling and things like that when it comes to a lot of this um to a lot of these uh you know uh big bowl games coming up trying to figure out which teams have players playing which teams don't that's going to be a bigger story than ever before and obviously a lot of this is even accelerated because of the fact that you guys guys like you got a guy like brian kelly opting out of the notre dame postseason to go be lsu head coach obviously that happening the way that it has i think it's spurring this kind of stuff on even more but taylor may be the first of what's probably going to be the longest list ever of players opting out of bowl games. So I wanted to make you aware of that. And that is cruising around the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean, or as we like to call it, the SEC through. Let me also tell you about my friends at Marco's Pizza. Obviously, uh, Marco's Pizza, uh, great, great stuff as you head towards uh, a great weekend. You're watching us on high school football on Friday night. You're getting ready for the big game on Saturday or anything else. Marco's Pizza always goes uh, great with that because the secret to living your best life, we think, is really good pizza. Of course, Marco's Pizza is that. I'm talking about uh, perfectly baked, old world toppings, authentic flavor. That, look at that cheese. Oh, always looks so good melted on top of that uh, pizza. That's what Marco's is famous for. They're also famous for great savings as well, including this bundle you can get right now, which includes a large uh, one-topping pizza pizza bowl which is like the pizza flavor without the crust for those of you that are kind of watching your carbs you also get the cheesy bread for those of you that are not watching your carbs it's all just $21.99 that's a great bundle you can order with the marco's app or online at marcos.com marco's pizza lovers get it all right here on dog nation daily presented by mary Weather and tharp let me briefly talk about this for a moment so yesterday something really cool happened georgia got a very big win in basketball against a ranked uh, Memphis team there at Stegman Coliseum. That's great to see. It's like the 400th career win for Tom Crean. And this morning, like early morning, I, I wake up very early and I, you know, get the show ready and kind of doing some things like that. You kind of have Sports Center on in the background. And they um, were doing highlights of Georgia's basketball win against Memphis. And just to be completely frank, it's kind of cool to even have Georgia basketball highlights shown on Sports Center. That's a pretty big TV platform. That's not the kind of thing that frequently happens. Uh, you know, frankly, it happens very much with uh, with Georgia basketball getting that kind of play on ESPN. And so I kind of stopped what I was doing and I started watching these highlights just because I was glad to see Georgia basketball mentioned on there. And then the ESPN anchor, and I apologize, you know this voice. I don't know the guy's name. All those guys kind of just blend together to me. But as he's doing the highlight, he said something very cool about Georgia basketball. So the, the start of the highlight, I, I took some of what he said and I just kind of like, crunched it together to give you a little bit of context for how the the highlight was progressing and listen to what the ESPN anchor and I some of y'all know who it is if you do know tell me and I'll give them credit but this is from ESPN Sports Center early this morning Georgia basketball win listen to also gets a little bit of a shout out here for this I couldn't help but share this this is good stuff take a listen to this they were a double digit dog they were plus 500 on the money line Cario Oquindo steals it from Bates, slams it, take another look. He had 24. And I mean, Tom Crean's club goes all Jordan Davis on the Tigers. He gets his 400th career win. Georgia, 82 to 79, 52nd half points. Wow. Did you hear what he said there that Georgia basketball went all Jordan Davis on Memphis there in that game? Is that fun or what? that Jordan Davis is now a verb. Uh, <laughs> I got to tell you, I really like that. I, I love the win for Tom Crean and Georgia basketball against Memphis, but I love it even more that they were given such a compliment for their performance. They they were dominating like Georgia, uh, Jordan Davis at the Stegman Coliseum there last night. I, I think that's really fun. And by the way, we'll, speaking of Jordan Davis, we will once again make the push for Davis to get those votes on ESPN for his Heisman uh, chase here in a moment. We'll do that as part of our golden shoe here in a little bit. I believe he's now, we said yesterday he was third in the voting on that. I believe he's now up to second. So we will do that as part of our golden shoe here coming up. Before that, though, let me give you our bet U.S. best bets for the upcoming conference championship game weekend. This is a fun time of year when you got all these conference title games being played on Saturday. And if you haven't opened your BetUS account yet, uh, 
make some money on your expertise for these games, now is the time to do that. I'll tell you about the big savings you can get from BetUS here in a moment. Before that, though, let me give you my thoughts quickly on some of these games here. You've seen Georgia's the six-and-a-half-point favorite all week against Alabama. I like Georgia. I like them minus the points. I Listen, I don't think Georgia wins this game going away. I think you heard some from Brad Nestler a little earlier, a little bit of a recipe for Alabama maybe keeps it a little bit closer. But ultimately, I like Georgia to win the game for all the reasons I mentioned off the very top of the program. Western Kentucky is a really fun team to watch in the Conference USA title game on Friday. Uh, second highest scoring team in the country, Bailey Zapp, the uh, most prolific passer in the country from a passing yards per game standpoint. They find themselves as a two-point favorite against previously ranked uh, Texas San Antonio. I actually like the Hilltoppers of Western Kentucky there in that spot. I think it is really very interesting that Utah is only a three-point favorite against Oregon in the other game that takes place on Friday after Utah just blew them out a couple of weeks ago. The issue here for me is that game took place in Rice-Eccle Stadium where the Utes are typically very good, but over the course of the last three years, they lost seven times in games not played in Salt Lake at Rice-Eccles. Oregon's won the last two Pac-12 title games. This seems to be the kind of moment where they're comfortable stepping up and playing big. And with a three-point cushion there, I'll trust the Ducks to do just that. Utah State, San Diego State, obviously uh, San Diego State's 11-1 here this year. They're also five-and-a-half-point favorite in the Mountain West title game. Thing to know, though, is the Aggies, the pride of Logan, Utah, Utah State, eight and four against the spread. That's enough for me to take a flyer on possibly keeping it close. I'll do the same thing with Iowa's a 10.5-point underdog against Michigan. Michigan's proven itself to be one of the four best teams in the country, but they're also celebrating a bunch and maybe a little hungover after beating uh, Ohio State last week in Indianapolis despite uh, of the upcoming national championship game. Maybe the Hawkeyes can do just enough to keep it close, although keep in mind, Iowa not very good offensively. Baylor and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State hasn't failed to cover since September 11th. Last week, a push in the win against uh, Oklahoma. Prior to that, nine consecutive covered spreads for the Cowboys. That's pretty impressive. I'll take them to win the game and maybe even earn a college ball playoff spot by knocking off Baylor. MAC title game, Kent State, Northern Illinois, two good offenses, two bad defenses. Don't have a strong take on this, but the favorite golden flashes of Kent State might be worth a look. Uh, Louisiana finds themselves as a three-point underdog against App State uh, there for the upcoming week. Uh, Louisiana got the win against App State earlier in the season, but be very careful here for a Mountaineers team that has a lot to play for, plus I'm just not going to go with the brand-new Florida coach, so I'll take App State there in that spot. Uh, Houston quite possibly keeping it closer against Cincinnati. Uh, Bearcats just have not been dominating AAC foes thus far this year. Pitt and Wake. I'll take a flyer on Wake. Uh, the total here in this one more than 70 right now, so a lot of points expected from that ACC title game. And those are your bet U.S. best bets for the upcoming uh, weekend. But your best bet of all is to get signed up for a bet U.S. account right now because when you do, as an initial sign-up to bonus, you're going to get 125% of your initial deposit when you use the promo code DN125. That's DN125 at BetUS.com. Take advantage of that, and they're going to put more money in your account to begin with than you put in there. Simple language, you put in 100 bucks, they're going to put in 125 bucks on top of that. 125% of whatever you put in, they're going to put in for you. You're literally a winner before you even win your first bet. So trust our friends at BetUS for that. They've been America's most beloved sports book for a long time, more than 25 years, taking great care of their players. That's how you get to be that. So find them online today, BetUS.com. Use the promo code DN125 and take advantage of all of that. Let me also say this real quick. You heard me mention a moment ago high school football on Friday, our final game of the season for our drive for the GHSA state title. It's the state semifinal game coming up between Milton and Walton, the chance to see top 2023 prospect LT Overton there in that game and also really huge college prospects on both sides. Walton's been about the hottest team in the uh, in, in the state maybe as of late. Very impressive run through the postseason and Milton's just been one of the real powers in the 7A classification all season long. So this is uh, certainly a game worth tuning into Friday night on Peachtree TV. I'll be happy to be joined by my buddy Rusty Manziel, of course Jeff Sintel, Ashley Rose, Kaylee Manziel, all a part of that great broadcast. State semifinal action in 7A between Walton and Milton as a big lead into the big day of football at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Saturday. We'll see it Friday night, 8 p.m. on Peachtree TV for a lot more on that. So we've been using our golden shoe space 
the last few days. Now, tomorrow, hopefully, we can do kind of one of those old-school Friday shoes dumps where we kind of get a bunch of folks on the screen. Honestly, I'm getting so many, like, trolling tweets from Florida fans, it's getting harder to find the golden shoe stuff. But I'm going to really go sift through the social media tomorrow, and we'll try to have good vibes going into the postgame, uh, into, the, into the SEC Championship on Saturday with a bunch of golden shoe submissions for tomorrow. But let me also give a shout-out here to our good friend Jordan DeArmond. And among many of you, I'm going to represent Jordan here for what a lot of you have done. Pushing Jordan Davis, promo.espn.com slash ESPN slash contest. That's how you can find the Jordan Davis vote thing. I believe he's up to second now. Jordan says, do your part, Dog Nation. Any other non-spiteful SEC fans? The only story that stood out in this college football season has been the historic play of Georgia's defense. Hashtag JDNYC. She tags me and Georgia football on that. Y'all follow Jordan's lead. Hashtag JDNYC. Voting for the Heisman Trophy. By the way, Dog Nation Gator Hater Countdown, about 331 days from right now. Georgia back in Jacksonville, new coach for Florida, same result for the Dogs. Dogs on top in the Gator Hater rivalry. Y'all have a good day. We will see all of you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. And tonight, Marlowe's Tavern in Brookhaven. Can't wait for all that. Talk to you then, everybody. And on the podcast, time to have the R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. For those of you listening to this on Thursday, hope to see you tonight, 6 p.m. for our Event at Marlowe's Tavern in Brookhaven. Going to be a great chase for the championship event with John Stinchcomb and Connor Riley and Jeff Sintel. Going to be really, really fun. Can't wait for all of that. Uh, take some of your comments here. Hit me up on Twitter at DogNationDaily to be a part of this or in the comment section when we post the show at DogNation.com. I talked yesterday about what I believe a simple step for Georgia in this game would be. I talked about scoring in all four quarters to maintain what Georgia's done so well this year, which is build leads and 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 really be comfortably ahead in every game that it's played. In 10 of Georgia's 12 games this season, Georgia's had at least a two-touchdown lead at halftime. That's how dominant Georgia's been from the onset. And obviously in previous Alabama games, the three in which Georgia's also led at halftime, lack of fourth-quarter scoring went a long way towards dooming UGA there. So that's kind of where we kind of come from on that notion of, hey, simply give me one or give me more than one. You know, in baseball, you sometimes call it a crooked number. You know, put crooked number up in uh, every inning, first, second, uh, third, and fourth quarter, in this case in football, could go a long way. Uh, YP Craig also writes into our comment section, dognation.com, says, I have an even simpler step. How about you score enough in the first three quarters to make the fourth quarter irrelevant? Obviously, that'd be great for Georgia fans to be able to do that. By the way, I also mentioned this about, you know, the success that Georgia's been having playing comfortably ahead in almost the entirety of every game that it's played this far this season. Dan Scotchman writes in to say that. How dominant has UGA been this year? This is on Twitter. He says there's only been one drive since the Clemson game where an opponent was within 14 points in the second half. That is truly amazing. Andrew Bullard says, outside of Bama, what is one team among the remaining playoff contenders you would like eliminated this weekend in a conference game so you don't have to see them in the playoff? I mean, Bama would be the only one. Um you know, I think the next most talented team is Ohio State, but the way that Ohio State got beat by Michigan last week makes you reconsider whether or not that's even a challenge. I know people will say, well, Georgia-Cincinnati was close a year ago. The The honest truth is, is I think that Georgia is way better than it was a year ago. I don't quite think Cincinnati, based on its week-to-week results, is as good as it was a year ago. You know, Michigan, I don't believe, can be eliminated. Oh, you know, I don't think they can lose to Iowa, although I guess if you wanted to eliminate the the next most dominant team, then Michigan might be that team. But I don't know that I have you know a, a ton of fear for Michigan right now, but that may be the best overall answer to that. Uh, Mike Mad Dog uh, reaching out, very kind words, but the return of Mike Johnson yesterday on SEC Country Live, and we hope to be able to do some more with Mike here over the course of time. Uh, hope hope that works out for us. Some of you also very kind to share with me your uh, screenshot from uh, Spotify where I was your most listened to podcast this year. That Boy, that means a ton to me. Uh, Sugar Ray on the subject of having to wait a long time to get ready for that game on Saturday. There is definitely, definitely a lot of waiting going on here for sure. Uh, William Billy Ray says insuring is a synonym for guaranteeing. That's a word that I used yesterday. That may have been poor word choice on my part. Sometimes it is. Hi, giving you the uh, our, the Jordan Davis stuff. Tomorrow we're going to do hopefully a big, big golden shoes dump, Friday shoes dump, and get a lot of these really good things out there. We need to make sure we do that. Um, we have got a lot of really good stuff that comes in. And frankly, I probably haven't done enough to honor the terrific 
um, the terrific uh, golden shoe submissions that we've gotten. But for now, we got to go. So thanks for being here for our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down Today. Y'all check out rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They show up on time. They do the work that's promised for the price that's promised. If you've been told by some other company that you need a new heating system, let R.S. Andrews give you the second opinion you need on that. They may be able to tell you how you can breathe some new life into the system you currently have by getting it tuned back up to factory fresh specs. just $99. And listen, if your system is truly at its last legs, they got all kinds of options for you there as well, too. So don't make any kind of decision without talking to R.S. Andrews first online at rsandrews.com. We're also going to see our friends at R.S. Andrews for the Dog Nation Chase the Championship tailgate on Saturday. So that is going to be really fun there, too. Y'all have a great day. Back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We'll look forward to talking to you then.